the Dancepreneuring Studio, Session 12, How to Communicate Effectively. Five, six, seven, eight. Everyone and welcome to the Dancepreneuring Studio. I am Annette Bone, and this is the place where dance inspires life and business. We will be bringing you some of the best and creative minds who are connected to the art of dance, and they will be sharing their stories, ideas, strategies, and tactics to move your life and business forward. Thank you so much for joining me. What up, Amroy here, coach, dancer, and author, and you're listening to a session of Dancepreneuring Studio. It's profitable to be skillful and wise. Welcome to this week's Step to Success. A step to your success is anything that moves your life and business forward. Whether it's an app, a book, or an idea, you can apply something today that will help you succeed. Streamlining your communications process is one of the best things you can do for your business to keep it flowing along as smoothly as possible. The step to success that I'd like to share today is a tool called Slack, S-L-A-C-K, and you can find a link in the show notes at annettebone.com forward slash zero one two. Slack is an awesome communication tool and it keeps unnecessary messages out of your inbox. Having one place where you can integrate things such as Google Drive, Dropbox, Trello, Asana, to name a few. And if you look on their list, they have a bunch of applications that can be integrated within Slack. The categories where communications take place are preceded by It's what's called a channel, but the channels are preceded by hashtags. So each of the communications can be divided up in different categories. Everything is very searchable. It's very easy to navigate, and I would definitely recommend checking it out. I have less messages now inside my inbox because I use Slack for communicating, and I would highly recommend checking it out. You can start off with a free account, which is an unlimited number of users, an unlimited number of channels, and 10,000 messages that are archivable. So quite a bit that you get for a free account. So I love that you can try these things out and see if they work for you. But Slack is definitely one of my favorite tools to streamline communications. And now, Life and Business Connect with the Dancer's Dialect. The dancer's dialect is the dancer's language. I'm going to share dance terminology across different genres so you can see the correlations in your life and in your business. The word for today in the dancer's dialect is petite allegro. Petite allegro is a term used in ballet and it's a series of small jumps and turns that help with developing coordination musicality, and quick footwork. There are so many variations of Petit Allegro, and it's such an integral part of a ballet class. I've included a video link of Petit Allegro performed by some company members of Ballet Magnificat in the show notes at annettebone.com 
forward slash zero one two. And you'll see how light they are on their feet and done properly. It looks very, very simple and very effortless. However, if you've taken a ballet class and are familiar with ballet technique, you know, it's not an easy thing to do. These company members make it look very effortless and It requires a lot of endurance and stamina. So, and of course, coordination, as we've talked about. But just as in Petit Allegro, where these small steps are integral in developing your ballet technique, the small steps that you take in your life and in your business will help you accomplish those bigger wins. Now that you're warmed up, get ready to go full out with our feature presentation. One of the serendipities of being back in the dance world is meeting amazing dancers and choreographers who have done exceptional things in the dance world and have been able to translate their talents into the entrepreneurial world. I've had the pleasure of getting to know an individual by the name of Emroy Bernardo, and he is a dancer, choreographer, and an entrepreneur. He's worked with organizations such as Culture Shock and Hit the Floor Productions, and is also a co-founder of a dance company called Family Business. He is also two-time City of Alhambra b-boy champion and also has a YouTube show called Profiles in Drive. He has also created a popular Udemy course on how to break dance for beginners. And as a health coach, he's created the 90-Day Transformation Program and is the author of the book called The Healthy Active Life. How to Burn Fat, Get Lean, and Increase Energy. I hope you enjoy and learn from our following conversation. Okay, as a health coach, I totally see you practice what you preach. You are definitely intentional about putting your videos on social media, showing some of the exercises that you're doing. And what I appreciate most is that even when you're not perfect, you you tell your clients or your students or people that look at your material that you're not perfect, but you're still doing what you're teaching. I I think that's really great because you're not only teaching what you're preaching, but you're you're practicing exactly what you're asking your students or your clients what you're doing. So in class, I know you have your students, after you teach them the choreography, either face a different direction or mentally do the choreography with their eyes closed. So you have different approaches to have your students retain the material better. Now, why, what would you say about the importance of challenging yourself, first of all, whether you're in a dance class or participating in another endeavor? The context of the class or anything is, I think I just sort of discovered this when I was first learning how to do a backflip. I got something, what I consider like orientation, like lock, where I would be able to do a backflip and only facing only one way of the wall. And when I faced, when I turned around and I saw the other side of the wall, I would freak out for some reason. I don't know if it was just all mental, but this is something that I thought would be weird because if I had to use the backflip in a situation where I was doing a performance, I'd be, I would freak out because, and I have freaked out and messed up in the middle of a uh, performance doing a backflip because I wasn't used to that sort of environment because it was so different. So, and this is the same thing with any sort of, of skills or sort of endeavor you're trying to do because it's, it's easy to get used to like in, in a rehearsal space for dance crews people get used to performing in front of the mirror but the minute you stop tell them to turn around it's a completely new game for them and then and if that simple simple change is 
shocking to them, then imagine how much more shocking it would be once they it's time to do the real work, which is actually do the performance. So I think challenging yourself in a small way, in any way you can, and just to make it fun too, uh, is going to help grow, help with the trusting yourself ultimately, because it all comes down to you being able to perform or being able to do the back or do doing what you learned. It all comes back to how well you can trust yourself, in my opinion. Have I answered that right? <laughs> no, it's great. You know, I there's so much we can talk about, and there's so much that um, you have. I know there's, that you, there's a lot you've gone through that has given you all these wonderful nuggets of wisdom that you've been able to apply to not only your dance career but also your other your other businesses in your life. And and I remember you talking on uh, another recent podcast interview that you did about how. You challenged yourself, but you but when once it started not being fun anymore, and I think you were talking more in the context of being in a, a b boy battle or in a cipher or something, and that when you had that mindset of competing, it wasn't or that you had to one up a person or show them up or something that it wasn't fun anymore. I really liked what you talked about that you have to you not only have to challenge yourself, but you also have to have fun doing it. And so I think that you're really good about that, not only with your health coaching business, with um, the material that you present on your social media platforms, but also in your dance classes. And so I know that's been kind of a, uh, in talking before you said that it wasn't always like that. Uh, yeah. I mean, going back to the previous podcast I did with Art of Adventure, it was talking about when I was first into breaking, I was really caught up in more of, getting as many moves as I can, trying to see how I, who I can, who I can be better than. And I had this, and I still do have this sort of battle mentality. If I see another dancer in the room, I want to battle them, but it's not so much like I do it anymore. It's like, cause it's coming off as egotistical and it's in my personal perspective it's, and it's not really necessary. But if the moment calls for it, that there's a cipher and everyone's having fun and the battle isn't good fun because people are saying, Oh, your moves are dope. Here's what I can do. Then I'll do it. But if I'm in there just to, show that I'm better than you, then that's, that takes away from the fun of it. And that's exhausting. Mm-hmm. Uh, especially when I was training in that, training that way, because I became more reliant on what other people, like, how can I be better than this person? This person can do this and I'm not, I can't do that. And it became sort of a chase that I knew I was just not going to get out of if I stayed that, stayed on that route. But once I started losing sort of a passion for it for a bit, because it became, I guess, a taxing. I experimented on different ways and how I can make my practices fun again. So I just, I, instead of just dancing to b-boy tracks, I would dance to mainstream music. Uh, for some reason, I had this, I guess, taboo on practicing to mainstream music. I don't know why. I think it's because how I was introduced to the b-boy culture. Mm-hmm. That, that had, to, had to be beat, break beats only. So dancing to different types of music, allowing myself to move differently, aside from just how break beat allowed me to move. Like dancing the Sam Smith, breaking the Sam Smith is so much more different compared to doing it to a classic breakbeat. And it allowed me to be a lot more creative and actually mix my styles. But aside from breaking and teaching hip hop, I also do locking and I also do popping. So allowing it to sort of flow together. So it's much like I feel like I guess opened the floodgates in a sense. I that like was that. Where I was, <laughs> before I was just living, like I felt like I was limiting to myself to one style. And when in reality, I, I enjoyed a million different styles that I dabbled with and then allowing that to come together into the dance, like made it more fun. And that's one of the things I was trying, I continue like, like, I continue dancing because Bruce Lee is one of my heroes and he's like, he, one of his things is honestly expressing yourself and his, the, whole, the whole thing about find a style and no style. 
trying to apply that philosophy into dance because because if I say I'm just a breaker, I'm limited to the context and the foundations and the walls of what what makes break dancing. But if I'm just a dancer, what is a dancer? I can do whatever I want. Right. I feel like I'm still getting it <laughs> after after getting out of that battle mentality. I'm thinking of getting back into battling next year just because it's fun. <laughs> think that your perspective and just like you were saying about the floodgates being open because you're not limiting yourself on one particular style, that's going to make you that much more diverse when you're performing. I still do a lot of performances and depending on the, depending on the audience the depending is going to be dependent on what I do. So if it's kids, I do a lot of break dancing to really like, whoa, like really <laughs> wow them. Mm-hmm. And then just to get them amped up because they, they like the flashy stuff. So. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, since we're on the subject of breakdancing, can you give us a principle or some terminology from breakdancing that can apply today in terms of life, in terms of our life or business or project as an entrepreneur? Actually, three. It's pretty much the foundation of how I, how I teach my online course and how I teach my breaking class and the hip hop class too. Okay. There's, the first one is mechanics. This is where you're learning the rules, you're learning everything. As a beginner, uh, you got to know, you're learning sort of the things that won't work, the things that don't, uh, that things that do work. And uh, this is, yeah, generally, you're learning the rules. So in, in my hip-hop class, uh, I teach you in super, as detailed as I can, what moves are supposed to be done, where your foot's supposed to be angled, what you're not supposed to be doing. That's the, generally the part where, where you're thinking a lot, so to speak. And then the next part would be the creative active. That's phase two. This is where you're experimenting a little bit more. This is where I have you guys do the choreography without me. This is where I have you guys do the choreography with your eyes closed or do the choreography just in your head, different directions. This is where you start experimenting with what you learn from the rules and start experimenting it into something in, that's more of your own. And then next part is more like the freestyle experience. This is where you perform in front of the class. At that point, there's no one holding your hand. It's all on you. If you mess up, you mess up. If you do, if you don't, you don't. And generally, this is where you get the feedback that you need, the feedback in order for you to grow, which is essential for any business or any sort of dancer to grow. You need to get the feedback uh, because if we're just working constantly, just learning the rules and creating something new without getting the feedback from a real world audience, then we're not really going to grow as fast as we'd like. So that's why for me, I still get feedback through in my breaking class, even though I'm like, quote unquote, the teacher, I still feel like I'm one of them because whenever I get into the cipher, like I, I see everyone as equals or be a freestyle circle. I see everyone as equals because there's just, they're all dancers. I believe they can become just as skilled as me. And of course uh, they have judging us as well. And that's where I, can, I have the opportunity to practice what I've been learning from the first two phases, the mechanics, the creative active, and then the opportunity to use it in a freestyle experience or see where I can do it. I see how well I can handle everything I've learned under pressure. I hope that's making sense. It makes a lot of sense. It makes a lot of sense, so and I, I love that. Yeah, so generally it's going from thinking a lot, thinking little, and then to not thinking and just trusting yourself. Yes, I agree. And you have to go through all of that. I've heard many people saying that they know and learn about all these different things, yet they haven't applied it or they haven't had the real-world feedback that you, that, like you talk about, and that's so important so that you know where to adjust and that you just put yourself out there and, and do, what it, it, what, do what you need to do in order to grow and progress. So I really liked how you went into those three aspects. 
Now, um, you recently did an article about learning styles on another website, and we'll put that in the show notes so that people can look at that as well. But I want you to talk about how you tie that into encouraging and challenging your dance team, and how would an entrepreneur take the learning styles that you talk about in this particular article, and how would they relate that to either working with a team or with, you know, just in their business? How You want to talk a little bit about that? Uh, yeah. Well, the learning styles I learned actually from my old dance studio, and also I continued learning from a leadership program I, le- I went through, and I also learned it through another business program. And it just so happened that this, these four learning styles seem to be like everywhere, not just in dance, leadership, or business. But do you want me to provide some context as to what the learning styles are sure, before that would, I go right into it? Yes, that would be great. Generally, there are four learning styles. I learned them through colors. There are other names for it as well because the colors just made it easier for me. So the four, the first learning style is the red or more the controller. They're the, more the personality that they like getting into class. They like they just want to get right down to business because they have the intention of just getting better. So I'll, I'll explain how to cater to these in the just a second and the next style would be more a little bit more my style which is the blue supporter he just wants to like he's in there for like the community environment this is if you've noticed the class i try to make a community out of the class do my best that's why i have the facebook group so the, yes. uh, the, the blue is more the supporter they're like let's all be friends and hold hands though i'm not 100 percent like that i do believe in community will take any group as far as it can be, that's hence family business where it is. Yeah, the next uh, learning style is yellow, which is more of the promoter. They're in there for fun. Business really isn't their style. You gotta, unless it's, they know they're gonna have fun doing it. They're more like, hey, the, the, the life of the party. And that's not so much for me, um, but I, uh, the first, like the first time I started learning how to teach or learning how to lead a group, because I, I was all about business at first but i'll get into that, that in a second too <laughs> oh man the first time i started leading family business and like trying to learn how to teach man i was i wasn't that good at communicating i was I, the way we learn is generally the way we communicate so and then uh the next the last time like explaining everything out of order but is the green which is the analyzer well they like everything in detail like what we're going to do first second and last is how you're going to do it they're more like the how learners. Like this is, they need the process of, of what to do exactly. So that's, I think, my second or third primary style. Because if you notice, I like being extremely detailed in how you guys are going to do the moves because I want you guys to get it right without having to think too much. Does that make sense? Yes. Yeah. In terms of applying them, it, first you got to be aware of it because uh, aware of your own learning style. Because I wasn't aware for a long time that I was an analyzer and controller. Like the, when I first started family business, I thought I had to be, I guess, aggressive. I was almost like to the point where some people considered me a Nazi. Yeah, it was. It was like my the first few years were tough. I, the first year there was like six dancers. The second year was about eighteen dancers. By the third year, we were down to like five or two. Oh wow! Yeah, I think part of it was was my leadership discovering how to do it, how to communicate with people, because I had learned one way of leading, which was sort of very strict and very sort of let's get work done and that, when they came to family business it was, these are friends coming together and the, the problem with that is friends don't always get along when we work on these projects together because friendships and all that seem to get in the way so one of my wake-up calls is from one of the dancers saying we don't learn as fast as you Amaroy. we're not at your level and i was that's where i was like 
oh, I didn't know that. I felt like this is some insight that I had never heard of before. And that's where I started trying to figure out how to communicate different differently to people. But anyways, fast forwarding that and how to apply it. Generally, you want to be aware of your own learning style first. See if you're and see if you're an analyzer or see if you're a promoter, see if you're a controller, see if you're a supporter. And be honest with yourself. Don't try to be something else when you're really not. Just be really honest with yourself. And then for once you're aware of yourself, start sort of noticing other people's styles. Uh, notice how, like, you'll notice the controllers are a bit more aggressive and more like gun-ho that, like, let's just get work done kind of mode. It's the green, the greens and the reds or the analyzers and the controllers can partner well with it, with it together because they want to have intention and they want to get work done. Okay, the supporters and the promoters, uh, the blue and yellows can get along as fine because they're about everyone just having fun, holding hands and whatnot. So you'll see those type of personalities in the dance room. In business, you'll see the, the, the guy who likes to, I don't know, go down. I haven't worked in a cubicle in years, but you'll see the guy <laughs> that likes to go to the next cubicle and just chat it up. And I hated when, I hated when people did that to me, man. I wanted to get work done. I totally relate to that. Yes, I hear you on that. But yeah, it, it's calibrating that and then slow, slowly experimenting. Try doing like one thing. Because I'm huge on small victories leading up to uh, big wins. So try one thing that you think you can apply to a certain color. So the red, the controller, they just want to get work done. So you might, if if you're in a meeting or if you're in a teaching a class, you might just want to get straight to the point and just like you want, you might just want to not go into a tangent for like any more than 10 seconds. And for the supporter or the blue, uh, sorry, I'm like dropping the names. I hope I'm not confusing anyone. <laughs> no, um, it's good. For the supporters, you want to be able to give them feedback. So some people... So the supporters, before you give them feedback, you want to give them like three pieces of positive feedback and then uh, one or two criticisms or constructive criticisms. So one example is, hey, like in class, I would say, hey, you did, you did your feet, your feet were in the right place, your hands were in the right place, and you're getting the levels a lot better, but I need you to fix your head and I need you to fix your, your arm positioning. This, the, that's a simple way to, to apply it in the context of class. And then... For the yellows, the promoters, if you show your fun side. For me, I like to try to get to the class early or if you're in a meeting, try to get there early just to connect with other people. Or for me now, if I'm going to an event or even just a family party, I like to get there early because I can make friends with the people who are coming in, who are going to be coming in. That way, by the time everyone's there, I know everyone or have a rapport with everyone. Or say in the middle of the class, I generally try to do really ridiculous cheesy jokes it might not work for everyone but i am like i i'm pretty sure you, you may have noticed that i do really cheesy jokes stephanie like my fiance she, she gives me the most she gives me the, the look every time i do a cheesy joke she's like she gives me the oh god look <laughs> every, every time i try to be funny or i guess it's the dad cheesiness jokes coming in <laughs> um but yeah i try to be like have cheesy jokes or have inside jokes uh, with just the class that they would only get. For the analyzer, the green, be as detailed, be as intentional as possible. So if, you, if you're in a meeting, have an agenda laid out or, and even give, uh, give out copies to everyone so that way there's a game plan. Or for yourself, for the class, know the structure or, or tell the class the structure because you're not going to give an agenda to a dance class. Tell the structure what you're going to do. So this is what, like generally I do an intro 
I, I tell you what you guys are going to listen to in terms of the song. Then we get into the choreography. Then I let you guys experiment it on your, with it on your own. And then I have you guys do the, of course, do groups. So that's the general thing. And I always do, do it in that order when I explain it at the beginning of class. So that way there's an expectation and that we're not going off too long in any certain aspects. That's why I limit my dance classes to about four to five eight counts so you guys have time to experiment and then have time to do it in groups so you guys can freak out and get more confident. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I just, I love, like I said previously, I love how intentional you are with everything that you do in my experience with you. There's a purpose for everything. And that caters to my learning style of wanting to get to business and having the details there. And, and I know we had briefly talked in passing about how we both don't like going into meetings that are just kind of go off the tangent or unintentional. And so I think a lot, a lot of these things with the learning styles apply to having productive meetings. Do you agree? And is there anything you would add to that in terms of holding a productive meeting? Oh, yeah, dude, would definitely. I wish I, I used to be like a meeting whore, like, I don't know if I can say that word. When I was uh, when I was starting, when I was with Fanbase, I would like hold a meeting a week. And uh, even though like we had a great meeting last week, I'd have the meeting even though there was nothing to talk about. And I and uh, I don't know why. I just felt like maybe it was me just wanting to have control or, or anything like that. But I, now I do. I'm the opposite. I, I do my best to avoid any meeting unless there's like a clear itinerary of everything that's going to go that's why i loved the questions you sent me and like oh yes i I have an idea of what to answer but i'm not going to write any answers down because i want to be authentic (laughs) good i'm Um, glad glad to hear that but yeah if in terms of the meeting just have right write everything out have an what like what's the overall big goal that you want to achieve in this meeting and then build it backwards from there that's it's generally generally how i would approach like a goal as well like i i have I'm working. I'm currently working with a couple other clients as well, and this is not just health coaching. I'm doing their uh, their video stuff. I'm working with B-Boy Machine, another international basketball player guy. And uh, when we have meetings, and I and because they still don't, they still do the whole meeting thing. So I got I and I make sure what, that when we meet up, I have exactly like everything I want to ask them, what they want to achieve, what their sticking points are if they don't have this. So that way, it's I I talk about their pain points. I talk about what's why they my services would benefit them, and I then I get to the packaging or the prices that would work best for what their budget or what they're looking for. It saves you time, it saves them time, and you know from the get go what's expected and what's going to be delivered. So I think that's really important. In um, you have a show called Profiles and Drive, a video show on YouTube that you do, and you interviewed an actor named Ben Whitehair, and you both had mm. talked about meditation and talked specifically about listening to motivational material before you started your workouts. So again, you're intentional even before you even start what you're doing. And I want to know what kind of things do you listen to and how do you prepare for that? How do I prepare for what? The, for your listening work- to the material or preparing for a workout? Before, yeah. What types um, of things do you listen man. to or what you look at before you start your workout? More recently, I, I've been just looking at other people doing their workouts. So if there's anything, so because I do different types of sports depending on the day. So if I'm, I'm going to be doing basketball, I watch the basketball players whose game I'm trying to imitate or would like to be that. And then like, and I study it for a bit. Like, oh, that seems cool. How, and how did you get there? What can I do now to build myself there? So one of my favorite players is Chris Paul and Derrick Rose, and they are 
explosive and Chris Paul has amazing ball handling skills and that's like and I I used to hate basketball but and now I'm obsessed with it. Uh, I've been doing drills and drills and drills, uh, not just like stationary drills but drills that I can like again I use the, I apply the methods in my in learning that venture because I'm not the greatest in basketball but I love it because it's different. I'm not an expert in it and the feedback is instant. Like there's one day where I just sit some time to practice and I experiment with moves that I might want to actually want to use in the actual game. So that would be phase one and phase two of the mechanics and the creative active. Then I do pickup games, which is where the freestyle experience comes, where I try or do my best to apply the moves that I wanted to use in the game and uh, see if it works or see if it doesn't. And depending if I get blocked or if I don't get into a situation where I get, I'm open or make a shot, I find different ways. And I go back, I use that feedback, go back to phase one and two to tweak it again. So uh, that's generally one way I, I get ready for a workout. Another other stuff is I listen to epic motivational speeches. They're not, not not just like these long talks, but they have like these epic music from like Superman and Batman. And they're like, it's, some of it's from Les Brown, some of it's from Tony Robbins, and it just has epic music. And for some reason, when I'm listening to that, my vision of like, or like my body just gets into the zone. I don't know why it might not work for other people, but this is what I do. I think 15 minutes when I hit, when I start doing my pre-workout. So my pre-workout, I told you, is my banana and having some coffee. Yes. And then I listen to that. I listen to that. It just gets me in the zone for my workout. So I forgot what the name of the artists are. I can I can email to you, but I listen to it like because it, it. Some of them start off with like, you can't connect with the points. Do I don't know. I, I'm, I'm totally butchering it, but they're all like super powerful quotes from a, multi, a lot of different motivational speakers, and it just pumps me up. Yeah. That'd be great to get that because I'm sure uh, people out there listening would love to have to have that before whatever if they want to do it before their workout or you know if it, if it motivates you, I'm sure it'll mo- motivate some other people as well. Yeah, it, it gets me in the zone for like the mix, the tough workouts, tough workouts more. I'd say epic. And fun. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. Oh, yeah. That's great. Now, yeah. with everything that you're doing and having a family and running your businesses, um, how do you juggle everything? What's worked best for you in getting everything done? Uh, obviously, nothing's perfect. No one's day is ever perfect. But what have you found that's worked <laughs> best for you in handling everything that you have to do? Oh, thank you. <laughs> I'm glad you said to say that uh, nothing's, a, nothing's perfect. Because I'd say the best thing is being clear with what you want, I guess, on a what basis, clear what you want and strong communication. Because Stephanie, she has her own online, she has her own business with baking and uh, she has her own clients and she's also busy with school and she's getting crazy opportunities. She might be working for a bakery soon. So it's not balancing that. So for me, how I do it is me and Steph talk about it on Sundays, uh, what we're going to be doing that week terms of what she needs to get done what i need to get done and then from there once we have the clear time set time slots finished for her side and my side i write down everything everything i need to get done in terms of what big goal i want to achieve so say i'm working on i don't know i'm working on some videos this week quote unquote i'm just example okay i and my goal is to get i don't know 10 of them done what would i do i would i get 10 
10 videos. Uh, those 10 videos, I would break down what do they need to do. They need to be edited, published, and get ready for my newsletter. So that's each video would have three sections. And then I would, and then I would write that out. Video one, and then video one, ABC, video two, ABC, video three, ABC. And then I would look at my calendar. And then I would, I would do, today's Monday, right? Yeah, today's Monday. Uh, today would be video one working on ABC and just get that, those three things done because those three things are already a lot. So editing it, then getting it ready for the blog, I think publishing it and then getting it for my newsletter. Those are three time consuming things already. So getting at least three items off your to-do list, the three big items off your to-do list early or each day, I think for me has definitely kept me from going like ambition overdrive. I got to get this done, this done, this done. Or uh, whereas if I just did this, I could just do three things once I'm done, which I already did this morning. I can relax the rest of the day or I can choose to keep working. I like that. And it, goes back to what you were talking about with uh, building upon the victories, having those little victories, and then you can move on. So I really like that. There's always a victory there. Yeah, because I mean, a lot, a lot of friends who are aren't or entrepreneurs who are friends who don't have families. I mean, they have the all the time in the world to really focus on their business. But being having families, I mean, from your sure from you know from experience too, it's it's a constant balancing act isn't it? it's yes. never going to be perfect it's, it's constantly uh shifting your weight around and uh being i think ultimately being flexible and not being attached to having it be a, a certain way like be attached to the goal but not being attached to the process mm-hmm. this is the process and a guideline that we have and it's it's been working but there are days where i'm not going to be able to work because she's got a bunch of other things that have closer deadlines than I do. So that means uh, I've got to take, uh, that means I've got to share a majority of the daddy duties that day. Mm-hmm. So it's just being really, really, really flexible. Now we're coming to the end almost, but I have another question for you that speaking of getting your newsletter out and your blog posts and things like that, you talked about some circumstances that led to a breakdown period in your life. And I love this quote that you used. You said, with every breakdown, there is a breakthrough. And some of the circumstances you talked about, I had to stop and pause as I was listening to it because I thought, oh my goodness, I so relate. And uh, do you want to talk about that, about how when you have those moments in your life where it's just, you've pretty much reached bottom and how you get out of that and you know, everybody's situations are different and timelines are different. And there's so many factors that are different. But just hearing that from your background and seeing how far you've come, I so admire just everything that you've been able to do. And just, I don't know, that quote, it spoke to me and just, you know, getting to know you and what you've accomplished. And so do you mind talking a little bit about that? Yeah. Uh, did you want me to talk about what happened or do you want if me you, to... If you're comfortable with it, if right. not, then, you know, just talking about how you handle breakdowns and breakthroughs i'll give a little context so i about last year or no last november i got found myself in a situation where i found when i was in jail and i i think it was the combination of me and steph have just me and Steph being in a really tough financial situation and then us being in such a place of scarcity that the love was no longer there or it was tough to love because uh, scarcity was there and it just ended up to a point where I found myself in jail. I didn't hit her. I, I, in case anyone uh, puts putting out there, anyway, I didn't hit her. I would never put, lay a hand on my wife, my uh, future wife. Just 
the things went way above volume in terms of our conversation and someone called the cops and I found myself in jail. It might be ridiculous to some people, but I think I was where I needed to be as much as it sucked. I think every breakdown is also the feedback uh, that we get. Uh, that will, the feedback I was getting for me in that, that particular point in my life is that my feedback was I wasn't listening. I wasn't focusing on what was important. I was overly ambitious. I wasn't focusing on my family. I lost sight of that because I, was, I had become so ambition driven. And uh, that's where I lost sight of it. And, it. and I also lost sight of it because uh, it was also because I was short tempered. And I think it was because of that, those circumstances. I don't know. But it was that feedback, like, this is what's going to happen if I continue down this path, if I continue of not having time for my family, if I continue being in a mindset of scarcity, if I continue being short-tempered, this is what's going to happen, okay? And this is not the worst that can happen because I know I could have lost them completely and they never would have be, would be back in my life. Generally, when I was going through that moment in life, and when I was in the jail cell, man, I was... I had imagined like moments of this. Oh, I'd be working out, whatever. But I, I bawled my first night in jail because, and it was, and partly because I was in there by myself. And when I was in jail, I had nothing but thoughts and reflections. Just, I was just going every, through everything that was like what I could have done. But once, let's say, like the next day or so, I realized like this is where I need to be. This is, it's perfect that I'm here because this is where I learn. What can I learn from this? I always, I constantly said that to myself. So I've managed to find a Bible there for reading to help me get some comfort and get in getting hope. And uh, mind you, I'm not religious, but I, I needed some some hope at that time. And yeah, it would get it's it was that le- it was that lesson. And uh, yeah, that saying oh for every breakdown there's a breakthrough just around the corner. You just need to be open to it because. There's this one quote I I still have to remember this quote I th- I said it in the other podcast too, but like. The universe is constantly giving us feedback. It's, it's going to start off with a tap, and so it's going to start off with a little push, and eventually it's going to be a shove, and then this life just hammers you down. And the problem is majority of us don't listen to it until the, tra- the crisis happens. And then we wonder how this happened. It's, it's, of course, accidents do happen, but there's the things that we do in our daily life that we choose every single day that lead up to this crisis or this, this huge breakdown. And half the time, it's because the first time around, we weren't listening. We were too egotistical or too in our heads or too focused on being right to uh, even listen. Like So for me, I knew I had issues with my anger, but I didn't listen because I, I thought, hey, I can do it on my own until it got bad and that I'll, I almost lost everything. And it was like every day, it was, and it, it, the feedback can come in simple ways, a simple, something that you're uncomfortable with in a conversation. Like someone or someone, something someone said to you, someone, someone, I can say you suck to a random person and they might not take it personally. Or if I say you suck to another person that they can take that, they can take it a whole different level. And that is feedback for me on who I can say certain things to. And at the same time, it's feedback for that person on reflecting on what triggers that pain or action or emotion. So there's feedback everywhere. Like it's, it's basically basically in the emotions and the thing and how we experience things. Like why do we get upset over certain things? So when I go through breakdowns, the reminder for myself is God wants to hear. This is where I need to be right now in order for me to learn. And it's not saying that he's, I need to be suffering all the time. But at this moment, this is where 
I need to slow down and learn and listen because I wasn't getting the lesson. And then if I'm still feeling in the right or if I want to get further support, I surround myself with people who love me. I stop what I'm working on. I surround myself with people who will support me, my loved ones, my friends. And I also do things that I love doing. So I just go to shoot some hoops or I just session or dance for a bit. Because the energy and the, the frustration is energy and all that. It's we need to let it out into some sort of outlet. That's why you got to dance. It's got to be used for something. Otherwise, the energy is just going to suck up just like that soul or that, that, and that life that you have in there. If we just keep it in there. So the breakdown, uh, that's a couple of ways I can, I, I manage a breakdown. Just I connect with what is important with me. Oh, and along with that, I meditate. That's, I meditate and go to church. I mean, I guess I'm not religious, but for some reason, church, I have a strong tie with it because I feel like specifically the one I go to around my neighborhood because I grew up around it and it just helps. For some reason, it centers me so much. And then, of course, meditating to help control or become more aware of thoughts that seem to be, like there's these invisible thoughts that seem to haunt me or seem to be there every single day they're not going to be they're not going to go away completely because they're there but just to become aware of it and to choose something different is extremely powerful and that's where some people aren't aware that's just like people aren't aware of the feedback they're getting they're not aware of the invisible conversations that they have with themselves and that's why i find meditation powerful is because we become aware with these individual conversations and a lot of people aren't comfortable with that because not a lot of people are comfortable being in a room by themselves in silence. And yeah, I mean, those are just generally the ways I don't break down. I talked for a long time, but I hope that helps. It helps a lot. And, you know, I, I was just thinking, you know what, I need to do another interview with you, <laughs> especially since, you know, you're going to, you have other stuff going on and other projects that are coming up. And I know there's just even more stuff that you can teach us. And I'm going to have a lot of resources that you have created in in the show notes. And also, I really appreciate how authentic you are with everything you do. In my experience with you, I've just really appreciated how honest you are and encouraging you are. And it's just been really great having this conversation with you. If people want to connect with you, where can they find you? They can totally stalk me on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> they can find me on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter. My handle is B. It's E-M-E-R-O-Y-B. It's the same for all Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Don't, and if you want me on, find me on YouTube, I, it's E3K. I, I can't change that name anymore. And I've built up a following on that. So it's E3K on YouTube. But yeah, you can find me there. And if you've got questions, you can drop me a line there. I do my best to like reply to everyone because I love talking to everyone who's got questions, even the haters. So <laughs> yeah. Great. Awesome. Thank you. I hope you enjoyed and learned from my conversation with Emeroy today. And my question to you is, what is your learning style based on what Emeroy talked about in our conversation? I would love to get your feedback at AnnetteBone.com forward slash 012, where you'll also find the show notes to this session. And I would consider it a great honor if you could go to iTunes or Stitcher Radio and give me a rating and review so that I can continue to improve this podcast and also give you a shout out in a future session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. And until next time, I pray that you have an exceptional week 
and more blessings than you can imagine. I look forward to talking with you soon. Thank you for listening. This has been a session of the Dancepreneuring Studio. Find the archives of this show at annettebone.com slash podcast or on iTunes. Contact Annette at annettebone.com. This podcast copyright by annettebone.com and dancepreneuring.com. All rights reserved. The Dancepreneuring Studio is the place where dance inspires life and business.